All right. It's so good to see you guys today. It's definitely a time to celebrate. It's definitely a time to rejoice and be happy. Enjoy each other's um, friendship and fellowship. Enjoy each other's presence. And enjoy the presence of the Lord. Anybody know that the Holy Spirit is here in this place? Do you know that the Lord is here, right here and right now? That he inhabits the praises of his people and when we come in his name, he joins along. He's here. And it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Hey church, I'm excited about today. Today is going to literally be nothing but a whole celebration. The theme of today is salvation and the effect of it. We just saw a testament to the effect of it. We know that baptism is the outward expression of what the Lord has done on the inside. As one would give his or her life to the Lord, then testifying to the world, they'll, uh, they'll come to be baptized and they'll signify by the burying, uh, burying of themselves, their old selves, and being raised to new life. Um, that's what baptism is, and, and it's a celebration. It's meant to be a celebration. It's meant to be um, something to be joyous about, something to be happy about, because it's the old being made new. It's the dead being made alive. It's the dark being made light. It's what God does and what God has done and what God is doing and what he will do. And so God is good today, and he's here, he's amongst us, and I believe he's got something for you. I believe God's got a work to do today. I think today is that day for somebody. I don't know, but maybe. If you would, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. The Bible says this, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Pay attention to these details. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup, and after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Pay attention to the terminology here. It's very important. I'll say it again. This cup is the new covenant. It's something new. In my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. We'll get into that here in just a moment. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Today, church, I want to talk about remember when. You remember when? No doubt there's a bunch of testimonies in this room right here, right now. There's many stories that can be told. There's many um, walks in here. We all come from different directions. We all come from different uh, ways and different routes. And we've all met here today, though, in this room. And we've all already kind of celebrated what God has done in the lives of some. But though all having this testimony or story of where we've all come from, I bet we could all just talk for hours in some cases, start, and, and the conversation could start with, remember when? Like, you remember back when it was dark, but God made darkness turn to light. You remember back then when 
I was dead in my trespasses and sins, but God made me alive. Or you remember when we were trying to make it in that old apartment and we thought it was the best thing in the world, but looking back now, it was just so shoddy. It, it, but then the Lord. Or you remember when the doctors flipped you over on your side so fast because they thought the baby wouldn't make it and they had to save you or the baby. But from that was birth our boy. Or you remember when, there's many stories in this very room where we can sit back and we can remember, we can reminisce and we can talk about those times where we would typically just start the conversation with, you remember when? And that's what I want to talk about today. My first point, if you're writing anything down, write this down. You remember when love didn't make sense? When love didn't make sense, and what I mean by that is the love of Christ. Did you know the love of God is a paradoxical love? It's wild. Maybe you'll need my help to explain that. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24, look at what the Bible said there. It said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, talking about the bread, and said, this is my body, which is for you. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Two things here, he goes on to say, do this in remembrance of me. There's two things here that I want to talk about uh, regarding the love of God, which sometimes does not make sense. Look here as Jesus tells his disciples the night that he will be betrayed, he's standing there at the head of the table and he takes this bread and the Bible says he breaks it. He just breaks the bread there and begins to distribute and as the disciples are getting their uh, bread, they're waiting on the next statement from the Lord. Obviously there may have been kind of an eerie feeling but Jesus uh, kind of winds it all up here in just a moment anyway with the awkwardness and he says, um, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As they were sitting there, no doubt this was a time to understand what the death, burial, and resurrection that had been prophesied for years and years and years, but now is coming to fruition. Uh, this was a time to actually come under the understanding of what that is, to actually understand what it meant for Jesus to pay the price for your sin and for the sin of the world. And what it was actually going to mean and how it was going to actually take effect. And here Jesus symbolizes his body being broken on the cross for you and me and everybody else. And he stands there and physically just as a sermon illustration breaks the bread. And he says, this is my body. What? What in the world do you mean this is your body? This is my body. But he adds the statement which is for you. In other words, hey, let me preach this gospel to you. I'm going to the cross for you. And it's going to cover, uh, it's going to cover where you lack. And even some. He broke his body for you. You know, Jesus preached an upside down kingdom sometimes. And what I mean by that is what he said most of the time was so paradoxical it was crazy. And if you don't know what a paradox is, a paradox is something that just shouldn't be, but it is. Like it doesn't seem like it should be the certain way, but it just is. And so when I say Jesus has a paradoxical love, it means like uh, even yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or even yet, while our sin casts us so far away from the throne of God, yet the blood of Jesus will bridge that gap. The blood of Jesus is the, the bridge that, um, that brings the chasm 
closed between us and the Father. And Jesus here, as he preached this paradoxical idea of what the Father's heart was like, you know, we spoke a lot uh, last week about the Pharisees and, and their way of thinking, how they would control and, and preach and move and, and, and talk sometimes. And Jesus, the reason why they hated Jesus so much is because he came in and flipped everything on its head. He came in with a new covenant, with a new thing, uh, through his blood or in his blood, and he preached things like living comes from dying. Like ultimate and everlasting life comes from a death. That's a paradox. That's a grave turning into a garden. You may know that song. He preached things like giving is better than receiving. To literally and utterly exhaust everything you are and own for the kingdom's work. You get a better ROI if you do that than sitting around and gathering all the nuts to yourself. Jesus preached things like losing brings the victory. What looked like a loss on the cross on the third day was the ultimate victory. He reigned victorious over death, hell, and the grave. On the third day, he rose. It could sound like an Easter sermon this morning. I think right here, as Jesus, as Jesus is standing at the, at the head of the table here, and he's breaking bread, and he's preparing the cup, one thing to note quickly as we, uh, before I move on and, and move past it, just something here, as he took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. We know that the blood of Jesus is what brought forth this newness uh, this new covenant, this gospel, this, this, um, this good news that now, hey, the perfect sacrifice had been given to cover the blood of uh, humanity, to cover the, uh, the sin of humanity, to cover the, uh, the, the, the marred souls of humanity. Hey, now finally the perfect sacrifice had been given that's through the blood of Jesus. He says, do this. And as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You may have walked in and you received one of these little cute, convenient pieces of art. Um, some of you don't like it because the cardboard at the bottom there. Yes, you're supposed to eat the cardboard on this one. But it's okay. <laughs> uh, we, we kicked around the idea of actually breaking bread, but it... You know, COVID and everything else. Um, you may have gotten one of these, and, and to you, this may look like, um, you know, okay, at the end of the service today, we're going to take communion. It's going to be a solemn time. Like, normally, this would be like a solemn. Uh, has anybody ever sat in a service, you take the Lord's Supper, and like, it's, it's really solemn, it's very quiet, you could hear a pin drop, Right? You can really hear a pin drop, and it's very like uh, a lot of sorrow, a lot of maybe some crying, or maybe some, some uh, very, uh, you know, it's just an intimate time. Well, I think as Jesus is sitting in, uh, in this room with his disciples, knowing good well he's fixing to go to the cross, right? And here he is, he's breaking the bread, and he's pouring the cup, and he's saying, hey, like, something to note here is that this isn't the first time they're eating and drinking together. This isn't the first time they're raising a glass, or, well, this may be the first time they're raising a glass, but that's exactly what it was, though, is what I'm saying. This is a supper, but tonight it's different because tonight's bread is his body. He's preaching a sermon through dinner. He says, hey, from here on out, when you raise this glass and when you eat this bread, you remember me. 
You remember when. And you're like, Austin, where are you going with this? Let me tell you. I don't think taking the Lord's Supper is meant to be so somber. Yeah, what a great word. It's meant to be a celebration. We're meant to remember when. We're meant to remember what the Lord has done. We're meant to raise a glass. We're meant to break the bread and fellowship. It doesn't go in depth after this about how the disciples went on doing this, but no doubt they followed the command of the Lord. And I can imagine the conversation around the table as they would continue to raise the glass and they would see the wine in the cup and remember, oh, I remember what the Lord did for me. Or they would break the bread and they would eat it and they would remember. Jesus says, hey, when you do this, he says, as much as you do it or whenever you do this, hey, raise the glass and eat the, eat the, eat the bread uh, in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of me. Remember when, and I can only imagine as the disciples would continue to just toast together and, and remember when, they would sit around the table there and I can, I can imagine the conversation went like this, like it was a time to remember that time when hey 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 man you, you remember when Jesus changed that water into wine there it shocked the whole crowd or hey man you remember in John chapter 4 you remember uh, Jesus uh, cured that nobleman's son or hey you remember there in Luke chapter 5 you remember when we walked up with Jesus uh, or Jesus walked up and we're on the boats and he's like hey just go on the other side and we got that big old haul of fish yeah men will sit around and talk about their catch for hours I bet they talked about that catch for years I'm sure the conversation went like you remember that time when Jesus just walked up and cast those unclean spirits out of that man you remember that time in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus cured Peter's mother with the fever, like Peter's mother is fixing to die, and then all of a sudden Jesus busts up on the scene, and next thing you know, she's making dinner for everybody? Like, you remember that time when Jesus, when nobody else would dare come close to the leper, he came up and touched the leper and healed him? You remember that time? I can go on, let's go on. Jesus healed the centurion's uh, servant. Jesus raised the widow's son from the dead. Jesus stilled the storm, that's one of my favorite ones. Jesus cured the two uh, people eat up with uh, demonic, um, demonic uh, influence. Um, Jesus cured the paralytic multiple times. Jesus raised the ruler's daughter from the dead. Jesus cured the, women of the, or the woman of the issue of blood. We know that story. That was a good one too. Jesus uh, prayed for his disciples. This is where it gets a little good here, if you will. Uh, you know, just worship with me here. Jesus prayed for his disciples, but in the same breath prayed for, listen to this terminology, it's a direct quote, the ones who would believe after them. Jesus prayed for us hours before he'd be persecuted. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Jesus was captured. You remember when, when they took Jesus? They beat him up pretty bad. Hey, but you remember when Jesus, man, he carried his cross, his own cross to that hill. You remember when Jesus was crucified and he just took that for all of us? Huh. You remember when we were sitting in that room and he bust through the door though? And he did what he said he was going to do and he came back. Do you remember when? The whole point of today is to remember 
at the start of the service, we literally signal, like we preach the gospel, we preach the death, uh, burial, and resurrection that we now get to partake in because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, and because of how he, he, was, he was buried, he was dead, he was buried, and on the third day rose in victory. That's something to be excited about. We get to take part in that same resurrection, and so we can sit around like the disciples did. We can do that today, and we can say, hey, you remember when Jesus saved my life? I'm, so, I'm sure that there are a million and two testimonies right here in this room. We can't afford to sit here like this, on, uh, like a lump on a log, like Jesus didn't wreck your life one time and give you a whole fresh new life. Like he didn't take you from old to new. Like he didn't bring you from death to life. Like he didn't bring you from darkness to light. Jesus has done something in this room, and he's done something in your life. And I'm sure that we all could tell a great testimony, but I wonder if there's somebody who couldn't. I wonder in this room if there's somebody who couldn't tell a testimony. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that doesn't have an account where they can remember when Jesus showed up on the scene. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that doesn't have that encounter with the Lord. I want you to know that today is that encounter. I want you to know that the Lord is here. The same God who healed the woman with the issue of blood just by a touch of his garment. The same God who wasn't afraid to touch the leper because he knew he had control over that leprosy. The same God who can heal, who can shake, who can move, who can breathe new life into somebody, that same God, that same Jesus, the same Jesus who died on the cross for your sin and mine was buried and rose again, is here today. The Bible says that's true and I, I, I'm gonna err on the side of the word of God. Jesus is in this room and I just, I'm not so naive to believe that somebody in here, uh, you know that somebody isn't in here that doesn't know the Lord, that isn't saved. And, um, you know, in a sense, that's okay because you're in the right spot. You remember when Jesus showed up for you, church? Some of you, he showed up in such a way that your life, the way you walk, talk, and breathe now could just preach the best gospel. You remember what Jesus did for you? You remember how he showed up for you? Are you saved? in this room? Have you given your life to the Lord? Have you had that encounter with Jesus? Who even is Jesus? You remember the conversation he had with his disciples? Can we talk for a minute? I'm going to stop preaching. Can we talk? You remember the conversation he had with his disciples? He said, who do people say that I am? And Peter, of course, popping off of the mouth like he always does, he says, well, some say you're Elisha, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this, some say you're that, some say you're this, blah, blah, blah. And, and Peter's going on about what people think uh, he is because that's the question that he was asked to answer. But then Jesus turns it on its head and says, who do you say that I am, though? And Peter says, oh, you are the Lord. You are God Almighty, the Savior of the world. And I think the same question should be asked in this room today. We know what the world says about who Jesus is. We know what the world says about uh, what we're doing today. We know what the world says about church and the preconceived notions that everybody seems to have about what church should be and what church is and, and, and the reasons, the list of reasons why they've never stepped foot in a church. But who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that the Lord is in your life? Who is he to you? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Has he brought you from death to life? Has he brought you from darkness to light? 
Has he healed that in you? Has he taken you from A to B? Has he been that for you? If he has, you can shout with a testimony that he's been good. But if you stand in this this room today and you can't, if you stand in this room and you can't shout, if you stand in this room or sit in this room and you can't say, yeah, the Lord's done that for me, or if you sit in this room and and you can't really testify of a time when the Lord has been that good in your life or when the Lord has really just shaken you up or when the Lord has saved you, if you've never given your life to the Lord, you're in the best place you could be. Today is that day for you. This is a great place to be because the Lord's here. The Lord's right here in this place. Today is that day for you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this, Working together with him, we also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain, For he says, at an acceptable time, I listened to you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so I would say this today. Hey, there's some good news being spewed from this pulpit today. There's some good news being talked about amongst the crowd today. We've testified of what God has already done. We've testified of what God can do. And there's been plenty of testimony of what God has done in your lives as you sit here in this room today. But the Bible says, hey, don't receive this grace or don't receive the grace of God in vain. If you're sitting in this room right now and don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you're sitting in this room right now and you don't have that encounter with Christ today is the day don't receive this in vain don't let this go past your ears today hey don't waste this moment Jesus is here and he's offering everlasting life he's offering breakthrough he's offering like he's not saying hey I'll grow your bank account for you he's not saying hey when you get home if you if you come to the altar give your life to me there may be a Lambo in your driveway. That's not what he's offering, but what he is offering is freedom. What he, what he offers is so much greater than any materialistic thing you can receive here on this earth. He offers everlasting life. He offers communion with the creator of the, heaven and, uh, the heavens and earth. Do you understand what that means? Like literally you get like, <laughs> Jesus bridges the gap between you and the Father, and if you don't, If you don't have this relationship with the Lord Jesus right now, there's this chasm between you and the creator, the Father. Why? Because of your sin. Your sin cannot stand in the presence of God, and if it does, it causes death. You read that in the Bible every time. And so, your sin cannot be caught in the holiness of the Lord. But what happens when you give your life to the Lord, it's really theological and very doctrinal here, but um, when you give your life to the Lord, the blood which is for you, and the body that was broken for you, is applied to you, and though your sin be as crimson stain, his blood will wash you white as snow, and there you become acceptable to the sight of the Father God through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think, says, for he made him to be sin for us. It was all for you right here. He made him to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God through Christ. In other words, Jesus paid the price for you to reach heaven. And we sit around like it's, uh, like, like it's just, it's nothing. Like it's okay, you know. I get it. I'll come to Christ one day. 
I'll give my life to him one day. I'll get serious about my relationship one day. I think there's been many, and, you know, every preacher goes here, and I'll barely touch it. Um, there's been plenty of people say I'll get there one day and never get to that day. I'll say that. The Lord is not mocked. The Lord is not mocked. Don't waste this. There's no better time than right now. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. If you sit in this room and you lack, if you sit in this room and you don't have the free gift of God, which is grace through faith in what Christ has done on the cross, it's literally the free gift of God. He paid everything to tell us that, paid in full, done. Jesus paid the price for you. If you sit in this room and you have not accepted that and received that, if you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've not given him your life, you sit in here and you lack, if you do that, There's no better time than right now. Today is the day. Look at Luke chapter 15. If you read Luke chapter 15, the entire chapter there is riddled with um, examples of what the Father thinks about you. I encourage you. We won't read the whole chapter today, but when you get home today or when you're driving down, you know the Bible app, it does something nifty. You can hit the play button at the bottom of the screen and it, it reads it to you. Drive down the road today or get home, do whatever, and you pull up Luke chapter 15 in your favorite Bible version. I don't care. And you press the play button and you listen to what this thing, what that chapter says. Oh, my lanta. It's nothing but a huge description of the Father's heart for you. You may have heard of the prodigal son. You know? Anybody in here know about the prodigal son? Nobody? Okay, some, okay, now we're talking. The prodigal son, the one who went to his father, and said, hey, dad, just go ahead and give me all my inheritance, and he gives it to him, ungrudgingly, seems familiar there in the word of God. Um, The father gives him all of his inheritance, right? But then we know the story, the the son takes his inheritance, what the father has given him, all, all of what the father has given him, and he runs off, and he dips out, and he tries to do life on his own. Well, we know how the story goes. He winds up in the pig pen because he squandered everything that the father has given him, right? And then he gets a thought. I wonder if I could go back and just be his servant. I wonder if I could go back and just be the father's servant. Maybe he'll take me back. I can be one of his workers because his workers eat better than what I'm eating right now. And so he goes back, and one day the father's sitting on, and this is all a story. This, this is not a historical Account. This isn't something that actually happened. This is Jesus telling a parable about what the Father's heart is like for you. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he begins to tell the story. And the story goes, as the son's walking down the road, the father, I guess there's been preachers that preached that he was sitting on the front porch watching all along or whatever. I don't care how the father saw him. Main thing is, the father saw the son walking down the road, knew good and well as the one who squandered everything that he had given him. And yet, with a love that, that surpasses all understanding, with a love that is ungrudging, with a love that does not care about past wrongs, but cares more about future graces, he got up from wherever he was and ran directly to this prodigal son and with a great shout and with a great celebration and with great um, angst he grabbed a hold of his son and he began to squeeze him and shake him and love on him and, and the Bible talks about some versions say like he kissed him all over and he was having a, a you know it was a ball it was a reunion out there my son I got my son back my son came back to me thank you oh Lord thank you my son came back and then remember he tells his servants hey go get the best cow 
Go get the best cow. We're going to cut that bad boy up. We're having barbecue tonight. He said, go uh, get ready for the celebration. And they had a huge party that night because the son came back. The dad didn't care one bit about the inheritance that was squandered. That didn't matter. What mattered is that the son came back. That's in, in chapter 15. This is also in chapter 15. Read with me, verse 3. So he told them this parable. It's a parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he comes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors together saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, I tell you in the same way, come on somebody, I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who were just good anyway. When one person decides to come home to the Father, there's more joy than if everybody was just good and if everybody did all the right things and followed the rules. He says, Those people don't need repentance. He said, or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one, now mind you, she has an abundance here. Some of us in wasteful America says, oh, well, we got 10 coins, we lose one. Oh, well, maybe we'll find it later. We got nine more. But this parable here is a little different. He says, or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds the lost coins, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. Because I have found the silver coin I lost. Look at what he says next. I tell you, in the same way, that's important. Somebody say, in the same way. I need you to really get this. Somebody say, in the same way. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. There is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. I heard something interesting about that verse this week, and it rocked me, rocked my world so much so that I'm going to tell you today. You may have heard it, maybe you did, and I don't know. But you know, this verse is actually so widely misinterpreted, it's unbelievable. A lot of people, anybody ever been in a church service and you hear somebody say, oh, heaven rejoices, all the angels shout and dance and sing when one sinner gets praised. You ever hear that? Anybody raise your hand if you've ever sat in a service and heard that? Oh, a bunch of us. Me too. I've been, I said that. I've said that before. This verse is so misunderstood, it's unbelievable. And I think it's a tactic of the enemy, and I'll tell you why here in just a minute. If you notice, mm, this is good. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angel over one sinner who repents. The angels are in heaven. When somebody repents and comes back to the Father, the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who is the one who has the joy? It's not the angels. They're not singing nothing for you. It puts the Lord on his feet when you come to him. It makes God stand up and dance for joy. It says, I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels. Who else is up there but God himself? It puts the Lord 
on his feet. He jumps for joy. He's the one dancing for joy when you come down. He's the one, just like the Father, just as Jesus tried to explain it to you and you missed it, just like the Father in the parable of the prodigal son, as he sees his son coming, he meets him out there and he jumps for joy. He dances. He kisses him all over. He puts a ring on his finger, a robe around his back. He puts new sandals on his feet and he establishes his going. Oh, wait, I mixed two scriptures there. Does it sound familiar? He picked me up out of the miry clay and set my feet upon the solid rock and established my goings. He didn't just fix my problem and say, go have at it. He established my goings. He gave me direction. He gave me purpose. He gave me new life. He gave me a reason. And I, I, I just don't, I don't want to go on missing the fact that this is a perspective change. I think it's a tactic of the enemy to get you to believe that God's up here like this when you get saved. And the angels are dancing around causing a ruckus in heaven over you. No, the angels are not singing nothing for you. They're created for one reason, and that is to sing holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what they do, and that's what they're doing right now. The Lord is the one who sings, dances, and shouts. And so that changes the whole perspective here. It gives you a different context. It gives you a little different view here. Now you see that the Father is not some scary person on a throne in heaven with lightning bolts ready for your first mess up. He's a father waiting on his beloved to come home regardless of what you've squandered of his. You see the parable there? Father, give me my inheritance. I want it early. Father, save me from my sin. You receive salvation or you receive your inheritance. Tell me if somebody in here has got this testimony. You receive it. And then you decide you're okay on your own. And so the boy, he goes and he squanders his inheritance. Or maybe you've given your life to the Lord and you found there was a time where you squandered what the Lord had given you. Your grace, you took it for granted in you. But on a day like today, on a day like today, the boy said, maybe I can just go back and convince him that I could be his servant. And the boy comes home, and you know the story. We've preached it already. The boy is on his way home, and the father meets him with joy. And I wonder today if there's somebody in here that didn't know that the father would meet you with such joy that the father didn't really care as much about all that you have squandered but yet he cares more about all that will come in the future future grace future graces and what the lord will do for you he's able he's capable and willing to totally change your life, and we sit around acting like I'm not good enough or uh, he don't want to hear it from me, I want you to know that the Father is chomping at the bits for you to come to him. Regardless of what you've said and done, regardless of what's been, uh, what's marred your heart, regardless of how black your heart may be, no, regardless of what you said this morning or done this morning, what you looked at this week or what you went, where, where you went this week, regardless of how you've been here lately, it doesn't matter. He's chomping at the bits to see you coming down the aisle. He's chomping at the bits to see you coming because he wants nothing more but your heart. He wants nothing more, nothing less in your heart and he paid a huge price for it it gets the lord on his feet when one of his um, kids come back home he loves you 
And maybe you're sitting in this room today and you've never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you're sitting in this room today and the band, y'all, I'm closing quickly so you can come on up if you're ready. Uh, Maybe you're sitting in this room today and you've never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you're sitting in this room today and you've never had that encounter with Jesus. And maybe maybe you haven't even learned anything new today. That's okay. Maybe you're just hearing today and this is the day and this is the time that God has anointed for you to come and give your life to him. Hey, if you feel, man, some of y'all, I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but I can remember the time when the Lord was calling me home. I can remember the time when I knew the Lord was speaking directly to me. This is an old-fashioned type thing. I don't think we even think about this anymore, but I kind of got a bit of an old soul, so we'll go this route. I remember a time when I was sitting there on the pew, and the preacher would preach, and I know you've heard these stories, but hear mine. And so I'm sitting there as the preacher would preach, and I can remember, Sandra was there on that day. My legs are shaking. My chest is beating. Like, my heart's beating out of my chest. Like, I'm sitting there like, I know God is asking me to come to him he's beckoning me him to himself he's beckoning me to himself and he's calling me to him I know I need to go to the altar I know I need to give my life to him I know it's time that I stop playing games I know it's time that I stop wasting his grace I know it's time that I give my life to him and I know the preacher says that I'm not going to be perfect all the uh, all the time I know the preacher says that it's not going to all just change overnight but God I just don't know about it like what are they going to say what are they going to think and I know we're not kindergartners in here but you'd be surprised how many adults care about what who's sitting next to them thinks about if they move to the altar you get your butt up from where you are and come to the altar today give your life to the Lord because Jesus paid much too high a price for you to waste his grace he paid much too high a price for you to waste the grace of God paid for on the cross of Calvary as he broke his body literally beaten and torn put on the cross blood poured out for you and did it joyously knowing that it would provide a way for you in this room. Maybe you're in here and you've never had that encounter with the Lord. Maybe you didn't know God was more concerned about your future than he was your past. Well, that's true for you today. Don't waste his grace. If you need the Lord's salvation, if you've never been saved before, and you feel that in your chest, that's called the Holy Spirit. If you feel that in this room, do you feel it? Do you feel it in this room? If you feel that in this room, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God. He speaks, and he's speaking to you. Today is that day. I got three more verses I want to share with you, and I'm going to get off this stage and get out of the way. Don't waste his grace today. Listen to me. Don't write me off as soon as you hear what verse it is. John 3, 16 But let's go a little further. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one son, all he had in his son. He gave his one son, one and only son, so that everyone, somebody say everyone. That's important. Who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's good, but that's not all it's for. For God did not, this is what God didn't send his son for. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And so if you ever hear condemnation coming from this, you're not listening to the right preacher. I'll just say that. Anyway, um, and not Holy Spirit conviction. I'm saying condemnation. If somebody's beating you over the head with this thing, run. Um, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, through his body and his blood. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. 
Did you hear that? There's no gray area is what I'm trying to tell you. A lot of us men, I know it's a man thing. A lot of us men, some women too, I guess, but I know I can just speak from my experience. A lot of us men ride the gray areas. I'm talking about like not responding to a text message. Oh, I didn't respond, so it doesn't matter. Like that, I didn't, I didn't have to say anything to that text message, but also, you know, it, it's a safe area. The gray area is what we think is a safe area. That's not true with the relationship with the Lord. I didn't respond, so it's up in the air, but it's okay. We can hang it there. Or I know the Lord wants me to come to him, but I'll come back another day. There's no gray area. It says, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe in him is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Don't waste his grace today. There is no doubt somebody, men and women in this room today, who have been wasting his grace and God don't even care about it. He don't care about what you've squandered. He just wants you to come home. If you're like, oh, I, I, I feel it's me, but maybe it's not me. I don't know. I don't want to get up. I'm shy. Forget that. Forget all about that. Don't waste his grace today. Listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you feel the beating on your chest, if you feel the Holy Spirit in the air, if you know that he's here, if you know, he, if you know he's calling you to the, to the altar, if you know he's calling you to himself, listen. Step out on faith. Obey the call of the Lord and you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. And I'll be quiet now and let you do that, but don't waste his grace today.